Good morning, church. You know, God is so good, and it's so good that already I've had uh, so much confirmation that what I'm going to speak on is from God, uh, just right from the prayer room before the service to several things that people have said and prayed for today. So hopefully it's a good message, but it's certainly a message that I need to hear myself. So if nothing else, just indulge me in talking to myself this morning. We're carrying on our series of the armour of God today. And I've asked for the NIV version of the scripture to go up on the screen because I felt that fits in better with what I'd like to speak about. So if it's up there, shall we just read it together? So finally... Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted in the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Amen. And this morning, I'm looking at verse 15, which is feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You'll be glad to know I only have three points today. But they are questions that I want to ask you and just to consider between yourselves and God. I have a granddaughter who is six years old. It's a lovely age uh, where everything is exciting and new and her energy and enthusiasm for life is infectious. If you've had the chance to be around young children, you'll know that they can't wait to grow up and become independent and to live their own lives. And around the age of three, they want to start dressing themselves. And a mishmash of colors, and sometimes inappropriate clothes for the time of year, often follows. And then around the age of four, they want to start putting on their own shoes. But they don't have a concept of left and right, so they just pull their shoes on any foot. My granddaughter would pull on her shoes and look down and she'd say, are they on the right feet? 
And my first point and question for you today is, have you got the right feet? Our feet should be feet of peace. Jesus was a man of peace. He used his power and authority to help others. He was not afraid to speak out against injustice or challenge those who were doing wrong, but he did it in such a way that he enabled them to change their behavior for the better. Are you a person of peace? Do you carry the gospel of peace with you? Our feet should be feet of humility. Jesus took it upon himself to wash the feet of his disciples. Given the weather that we've been having, I can imagine it wasn't the most pleasant of tasks in Israel. But he did it to demonstrate that we are to serve one another, to be humble, to be prepared to work together and love each other. Quick biology lesson here. The human foot contains 26 bones, 33 joints, and more than 100 tendons, muscles, and ligaments. Almost a quarter of bones in the body are found in the feet. The soles of your feet contain more sweat glands and sensory nerve endings per square centimeter than any other part of the body. It's an intricate and quite complex part of the body. The main function of the feet is to enable locomotion. They allow movement. They bear the complete weight and balance of your body at different angles and positions for your entire life. Problems with your feet can cause knee, hip, and back pain. Foot disorders can also lead to poor posture, imbalance, or possibly organ dysfunction. When we come out of alignment with God and his will for our lives, one of the first things we lose is our peace. At the beginning of this week, I actually contacted Malcolm and Cecile to say I didn't think I'd be able to be here today, that I wouldn't be able to speak because I was having problems with anxiety, which is something new for me just the last couple of years. And anxiety, especially related to the hot weather. After some discussion and prayer, there was a shift and I received some healing. The anxiety has improved and it's a testament that I am here today. And especially speaking today. I'd chosen to listen to the voice of the enemy rather than God's voice. I'd lost my peace. Our feet should be feet of repentance. Many years ago, literally overnight, I became a Christian and I was fired up for God. I'd been praying for the gift of prophecy but I felt that nothing was happening. I was a mum with young children at the time, and I began to think that it was my family that were holding me back. The enemy is very subtle. Resentment, frustration, and anger set in. And even though the Holy Spirit 
was telling me to address those issues, I ignored him and continued to ask for the prophetic gifting. I thought I knew best. I thought I could bargain with God. I thought he would overlook my wrong attitude and behavior because I'd brought him down to my level and I thought he was my mate. It led to an experience where I certainly received the prophetic gifting. <laughs> but it was on my own terms, not God's. It's an experience I never want to repeat and which is too long to talk about here this morning. But after about four or five days, I was, <laughs> I was that... Uh, Tenacious, it took four or five days of spiritual and emotional turmoil. I finally asked God to take the gift away again and repented because I needed rest and peace. I needed God more than one of his gifts. I made the mistake of thinking that because God loved me unconditionally, he would forgive me unconditionally, even though I was sinning. And it's a mistake that many people and churches make today. Our feet should be feet of forgiveness. In Luke 11, Jesus says we are to pray, saying, Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Everyone. God's forgiveness to us is conditional and in relation to our forgiveness of others. It's quite a sobering thought. If you have resentment, anger, or unforgiveness towards anyone or yourself... I would encourage you to go to Jesus and deal with it, repent of it, and receive healing. Some of you know that I started working in an Afro-Caribbean shop in Anglia Square earlier this year. They play African Christian music all the time, and it's fantastic. It's like being at church. <laughs> when I first started, there was often a song played by Minister G.U.C., and it's called God of Vengeance. I would have loved to have played it this morning, but it's about 10 minutes long. But worth listening to. I encourage you to hear it on YouTube. And I would sing it around the house. But I realized I sometimes substituted the word vengeance with another word because I didn't feel comfortable with it. A God of Vengeance... It's not something we tend to think about in our culture. We rely on our judicial system to bring about law, order, and justice. But if we lived in a country where the judicial, judicial, judicial system was completely corrupt, and many Christians do, we would have to totally rely on God as our judge. Deuteronomy 32, 35, God says, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. If we forgive others, it releases them to God. 
if we believe and trust that God is good and just, we can safely forgive knowing that they and ourselves will receive fair judgment. More importantly, if we forgive, it releases us to move forward in our lives and to receive peace again. Daniel 2 tells us of a dream that a powerful king had, and Daniel describes the dream. You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time. See, if you don't have the right feet the right godly attitude and behavior, the first stone that the enemy throws at you is going to crush you and break you. I want to just show you a a clip, hopefully it'll work, (laughs) uh, which will bring us to my second point. The rock that was used to build this dam contains essential minerals that have been dissolved in water. Minerals rich in the calcium that these animals need to stay strong. And they'll scale a dam to get them. In a situation extreme, diciamo così, di rapidità, la possibilità di leccare del sale Without these salts and minerals, their bones won't grow, their nervous systems and muscles can't function. Movement and coordination can falter. Io ho abbastanza paura quando sono in situazioni molto ripide e guardo verso il basso, non sono di certo uno stambecco. There's a strong bond between mother and kid, and the kid will follow her wherever she goes.
The Ibex eventually make it to the prize. Salt from the earth, dissolved in water, continues on its journey into their bodies. where it's used in the nerves and muscles that control dexterous pincer-like hooves. Vital ingredients carried around by a simple molecule with remarkable properties. The ibex have dexterous and pincer-like feet because they have two toes on each foot that can move independently of each other. Each toe has a strong external casing and a soft internal section. This enables them to hold on to extremely narrow surfaces. It is as though their feet are fitted with suction cups. My second point and second question to you this morning is what are your feet fitted with? Our feet need to be fitted with Jesus. Do you know Jesus as your personal saviour? With him in your life, physical death here on earth is not the end, but the beginning. You can join Jesus in heaven an eternal place of love and joy, a life without suffering. The alternative is death, darkness and pain. In John 14:6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We do not get to heaven on our own merit. It's by God's grace and our acknowledgement that we are sinful and need a saviour, who is Jesus. Our feet need to be fitted with the word. A couple of weeks ago, Len spoke about the belt of truth and how the Bible is the truth because it sets us free. The Bible is living and active. The words on the pages speak into our lives they give us direction, advice, and protection against the enemy. But we need to be reading the pages. We need to be reading our Bible in the first place to receive the wisdom and instruction offered in its pages. Like the Ibex, we need to be hungry for it. We need to seek it out and return to it constantly to gain strength from it then we have a solid foundation against the enemy. Je Jesus said in Matthew 8.13, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. 
we can become complacent about the power and authority that is in the word. And so we don't use it to our full advantage. Many years ago, we would regularly visit a member of the family. And no matter how many people were there or what was happening, at some point in the day, there would be a time when I found myself alone with her. And this lady would always manage to say something unpleasant and hurtful to me. And it got to a point where I just didn't want to visit anymore. I mentioned it at church one day to a wise Christian who told me, put on the armor before I visit. I was skeptical, but I obeyed. And from that time onwards, she never said anything more. Our feet need to be fitted with prayer and worship. They cause a change in the atmosphere around us, a change in our hearts and minds, a change in the way we view our circumstances. Prayer and worship opens up the heavenly realms and invites the supernatural to invade our natural world. Miracles, signs, wonders, deliverances and salvations could become the normal, regular occurrence. And who wouldn't want that? Prayer and worship is our spiritual training and attack program against the enemy. I'm sure some of you watched the England football game last week. But the match is only a small part of the team's efforts. Hours of training, both practical and theory, are involved a good healthy diet, team-building exercises, and the best equipment will help to improve the standard of play. One of the most important pieces of kit are the player's boots. They must be comfortable for the player to wear to enable them to move freely and kick the ball accurately and with power. They also need to give enough traction on the pitch for the player not to slip without being too heavy. The boots must fit perfectly and be designed for the task. If the England team hadn't trained, sat in front of the TV, ate unhealthy food, and tried to play football wearing flip-flops, the result of the match would probably not have been the same. We need to continue to read our Bibles to use its authority and power in our lives. Prayer and worship is not just something we do during the good times when everything is going well for us, but we need to be praying and worshipping during the difficult times too. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 54, 6, 7 says, I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from all my troubles, and my eyes have looked in triumph on my foes. And Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. Psalm 62, 1 says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. My third point and question to you. 
Are you ready? We need to be ready to stand when the enemy attacks. The word stand in the scripture that we're looking at appears four times. The number four often represents completion in the Bible. There were four rivers flowing out of the Garden of Eden and four corners of the earth from where the four winds blow. There are four angels of destruction and four gospels. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. He completed God's will to break the power of the enemy over all of humanity, to restore the relationship that we once had with the Father. Jesus stood against the devil on our behalf and was victorious. And in him, we can also stand and be victorious. We need to be ready to move forward at the right time. Did you know it actually takes more energy to stand still than it does to walk? Walking is using one foot at a time. One foot and all the muscles takes the body weight while the other foot and muscles rest. It may seem an insignificant amount of time to rest for one step, but over time as you walk, you are effectively spending half the time resting as you walk. There are more muscles used for walking which spreads the workload and lessens muscle fatigue. When walking, the increased activity of your muscles keep the blood flowing up to your heart and back around your body, enabling fresh blood with oxygen and nutrients to be carried around all parts of the body. Standing is not resting. When you stand still, you actually sway backwards and forwards using your ankle as a pivot point. The muscles in your feet, ankles and calves are continually making small adjustments to keep you in the upright position. When standing over a long period of time, you are forcing the same few muscles to continuously work. When standing for a long time, the heart is not strong enough to pump blood from the feet, ankles and calves back up the body. So the blood accumulates and stales. Sorry if this is a bit <laughs> another biology lesson here. <clears throat> the blood accumulates and stales, causing a buildup of toxins and a lack of oxygen and nutrients in the area of the body working the hardest. As a result, your feet, ankles, and calves tire more quickly when standing than when walking. Our feet are designed for locomotion and movement. It's harder to stand still. My six-year-old granddaughter grows out of shoes quite quickly and will continue to do so until she stops physically growing. And spiritually speaking, we need to keep growing. We do that by standing and facing the enemy, overcoming him, and then we can move forward. 
the longer we stay standing in one position, the harder it gets to move forward. I don't know if you've ever got a stone in your shoe when you're walking along, but it can be very uncomfortable and sometimes quite painful. But when you stand still for a moment and take your shoe off and give it a shake, the stone comes out and we can continue to walk in comfort again. If we stand with God, face the enemy, we can give him a shake and he'll fall away. James 4.7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We need to be ready to face our fears. I'm often surprised at how small that stone is when I shake it out. Because in my shoe, it always feels so much bigger. Often our fear of something can be bigger than the actual situation or thing that we are facing because the enemy likes to play tricks with our minds. I like to spend time in the garden. It's a place that I can talk to God. And I remember once I was pulling up long grass at the edge of the lawn. I'd felt under attack spiritually and I was worried and scared. <clears throat> so I was talking to God about it. As I grabbed hold of some grass and pulled it up, underneath there sat a tiny newt hidden in the damp. And God spoke to me and said, With me, this newt is the size of the enemy. It changed my whole outlook on the situation. A few of you might remember a young woman called Tabs, Tabitha, who was with part of our church. She used to say, feel the fear and do it anyway. It isn't easy facing your fears. It isn't easy growing in God. But as we grow, we become more reliant on him, more trusting. Our faith grows as we step out and be obedient to him. And we discover more of his love for us. Paul writes in Ephesians 3, 17 and 18, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And finally, we need to be ready to run the race. I was once in a Bible study group <clears throat> where the question was asked, who would you most like to be in the Bible? And this confused me <laughs> because to me, the obvious answer was Jesus I was even more confused when people in the group began giving their answers. Someone said Barnabas. The next person said Timothy. No one mentioned Jesus as we went round the group. And finally, it was my turn. I was completely confused by now and just blurted out, well, surely we, shouldn't, we should be wanting to be like Jesus. I was told very kindly but sternly, 
that we could not be like Jesus because he was perfect and we'd never achieve it this side of eternity. So I replied, is that a reason not to try? If you're interested in athletics, you'll notice that when the athletes come out onto the track, they spend some time warming up before the race. They stretch and they bend and they shake their limbs. They might jump in the air a few times, but they don't go into the race cold because it can cause painful cramping and they'd have to stop running. Church, it seems to me that these last couple of years, the enemy has been distracting us through various situations. But now we are warming up. We're getting ready to put our feet in the starting blocks. We're getting ready to run the race. We are all a work in progress. But if we have the right feet, the right attitude and behavior, trying to live a godly life, if our feet are fitted with Jesus, his word, prayer, and worship, and if we stand against the enemy to overcome him, we will be able to say with Paul, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Amen.